Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, good morning again. As Ryan said, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Joseph this morning. And if you're familiar at all with the story of Joseph in the Bible, it's, it's amazing that he turned out, quote unquote, normal. Uh, he, he really had a lot of bad stuff um, come his way. And he himself had some issues that... Um, had to be sorted out. Joseph, if, if you remember, and just to, to make sure that everyone's kind of familiar with this story, his father was Jacob. And um, if you read the story of Jacob, you know that he was kind of a, a scandalous guy. He definitely got into some mischief in his own life. And Jacob had two wives and two concubines. And from these four women... He had 12 sons and who knows how many daughters. The Bible doesn't give us any count on the number of daughters that were born, but you have to assume out of 12 sons, there had to have been some daughters along the line. Joseph had 10 older half-brothers and one full younger brother, Benjamin. And just in case you're, you're kind of putting things together, there are 12 tribes of Israel, and those 12 tribes are these 12 brothers. That's where the, the 12 tribes come from. Now, if you ever want to do a study on how not to parent, this is the family to study. Uh, they did a terrible job of raising children. And Jacob was particularly bad at parenting. He showed favoritism, first of all, with his wife, Rachel, who was Joseph's mother. And then because Joseph was born to Rachel, his favorite wife, in his old age, then he really favored Joseph. He treated Joseph better than he treated all of his other children. And so this created some real issues because the fact that Joseph was daddy's favorite didn't go missing. Uh, you know, the, the brothers were very clear that they, that, that they were not the favorites. And if you also remember, um, Jacob loved Joseph so much that he had a fancy coat made for him. Did the others get anything? No. Just Joseph. And so Joseph had a target on his back. And he didn't do a whole lot to help, but he had a target on his back. In Genesis 37, verse 4, it says, His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. So they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. So Joseph already has this disadvantage from a family relations standpoint. But then 
he's naive in the way he behaves. He's 17 years old, and he doesn't really do anything to alleviate his brother's hatred toward him. Considering the fact that, for instance, he has a dream. And in his dream, he is able... Well, let me, let me say it this way. In his dream, he sees his brothers bowing down to him. And if I had a dream like that, I would like to think that I would have a little decorum. That I would say, you know, it probably doesn't mean anything at all, but it's just kind of weird that this dream happened. Or I would keep the dream to myself. But Joseph goes to his brothers and says... I had this dream. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while all of your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down to me. That's not how you increase family relationships. <laughs> that, that's not the right thing to do. And his brothers understandably react just the way you would expect them to react. They get angry. They already don't like him because he's daddy's favorite. And they get angry and they say, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And so they hated him all the more. And then he has a second dream. And he can't wait to tell them about this dream. He comes and he says, I had another dream. And this time... Not only did you guys bow down to me, it says that the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Wow. A little bit of an ego going on here, do you think? So he's, he's got this hostility coming toward him that he doesn't either pick up on or he doesn't care about. And he, he had another problem. He would like to tell on his brothers. You know, already he's the favorite child, but he goes running to daddy and says, Dad, guess what my brothers are doing? And then he'd tell on them and get them in trouble. Well, again, that, that's not what you do to create family harmony. The fact that Joseph thought that his brothers would be excited about his dreams or the fact that he thought that there wouldn't be any repercussions when he's telling on them. Uh, you know, it, it just shows that Joseph has a disconnect. That he's, he's naive or he just doesn't care, which, whichever the case is. You know, I wonder how you would have felt if, if something like that was happening to you. I think we would probably have a similar type reaction that the brothers had. It, you know, it, it's hard to imagine otherwise. Well, as the story develops, the brothers, the, the, the fact that Joseph isn't just one of the brothers, the fact that he has this separate life that he's living, the brothers are all taking care of sheep, but not Joseph. Joseph gets to hang around the house and watch television and sit in the air conditioning all day while they're out doing work. 
And the brothers are off out dealing with whatever, you know, taking care of sheep. They're in the hot sun. They're having to sleep under the stars. They're having to, to deal with, with being responsible adults. And Jacob tells Joseph, why don't you go out and check on your brothers? So he puts on his fancy coat of many colors and he goes to check on his brothers. Well, his brothers see him coming and they quickly hatch a plan of, hey, let's kill the little runt. That, you know, let's just be done with him. And, and so as he gets closer, they've, they've made up their mind that they're going to kill him. Well, Reuben, who is the oldest brother and hopefully a little bit wiser, he says, hey, slow down a little bit. Let, let's, let's take a breath here. Why don't we, here's this empty cistern, big hole in the ground. Why don't we just throw him in the cistern? And that way we don't have to be responsible for killing him. The fact that he dies a slow death, you know, we don't have to worry about that. The blood's not on our hands then. So that's the plan. They, they grab Joseph, they take his coat, they throw him in the hole, and they're sitting there eating dinner. Can you imagine again, you're sitting there eating dinner while over in the little hole you're hearing, come on guys, let me out. Come on, really, this isn't funny, let me out. I'm gonna tell dad. You know, you, you can just imagine what, what, what's going on. So they're sitting there eating and all of a sudden, there comes a caravan passing by. They're, they're near the trade route going to Egypt. And one of them gets the bright idea, hey, let's sell Joseph into slavery. That way we make a little money out of the deal also. You know, that, it's a win-win. We get rid of Joseph and we make a little bit of money. So they sell Joseph, they, they pull him up out of the cistern, and they sell him for 20 shekels of silver and send him off into to slavery. Wow, how quickly things can go wrong. One moment, you're the pampered son of dad who is a successful farmer and, and rancher. You got bright hopes, you're the favored child, the next moment, you're a slave. Joseph lost his fancy coat. He lost his pampered position. He lost his freedom. And, and Joseph is a good example of how when we look at his life, we can see some very good examples of how to handle adversity. Now, the first thing that I want us to understand or want us to learn from, from Joseph is when things happen, when, when things go bad, it may be our fault. Sometimes it may not be our fault. And that's the first thing that we need to understand. Um, Joseph was partly to blame for his treatment by his brothers. You know, he, he didn't do anything to to create a better environment, a better relationship with his brothers. But at the same time, it's not his fault because it doesn't matter how pampered he was, how favorited he was, that's not justification 
for killing somebody or wanting to kill somebody or for selling them into slavery. So what we need to understand from, from this story as it applies to our own lives is in life, bad things are going to happen. It is just a fact. Bad things are going to happen. Sometimes those bad things are going to happen because we did something to cause it. And sometimes bad things are going to happen and it is absolutely out of our control. We didn't do anything wrong whatsoever, but the reality is here it is. And so we need to understand that because a lot of times in life, we can have bad things happen and we're sitting there just going shell, we're shell shocked by it. And it's like, whoa, what just happened and why? You know, that's not fair. And, and Joseph could have done that. You know, he could have, uh, he could have been very angry and bitter. The Bible doesn't record for us Joseph's feelings whatsoever. But we get, we, we're going to see by the way Joseph responds that he kept a cool head about himself. Maybe he grew up real quick. You know, as soon as all of this started happening, all of a sudden he thought, wow, this just got real. I better straighten up and start doing things, um, doing things differently. But, but what I want us to understand is when things happen in life, Sometimes we are going to be responsible. We made a bad decision. We said something we shouldn't have said. We did something we shouldn't have done. Sometimes it's our fault. But then sometimes it's not. Sometimes we are absolutely, totally innocent. And we didn't have a thing to do with it. But the reality is, is here it is. When ill come to us. Sometimes that's a, uh, that's a perfect example. We didn't do anything to get sick. We didn't, you know, we didn't ask for it. We didn't have some bad habit that caused it to happen. We just woke up one day and hello, we we're stuck. So the first thing that we need to understand is stuff's going to happen in life. Now, here's the important part. And this is the part to clue in. When things go badly in life, we may not be responsible for it. We might be responsible for it, but we are always responsible for the result. That's the important thing. We may not be responsible for the cause, but we are always responsible for the result. This is an integrity issue. You know, I, 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 again, I don't know what was on Joseph's mind when he's sitting on the back of a camel making his way to Egypt thinking, what happened? <laughs> can, can you just imagine the, the terror that was going through his, his mind? And it would have been real easy for him to say, I didn't do anything to deserve this. I don't care how bad I, I treated my brothers. I didn't do anything to deserve this. And it would have been real easy for him to blame God, for him to say, well, God could have, could have prevented this. You know, and if God's not going to prevent things like this from happening, then I don't want anything to do with God. And people do that all the time. Something bad will happen and they'll say, well, 
God let this happen, and if that's the way God is, I don't want anything to do with him. And they write God off. That happens all the time. And, and so we are responsible for how we respond to the situations. And we can tell by Joseph that he responded pretty well because even though he is a slave in Potiphar's house, he begins to rise in Potiphar's house. He becomes trusted by Potiphar because he's so responsible for the way he handles himself. He begins to be treated kindly by Potiphar because he is so respected by Potiphar. So we see that, jo that Joseph is handling himself in a very good way. Now, again, that leads to problems. Because even though Joseph is beginning to receive honor and responsibility as the head of Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. She tries to, to entice him to sin against God. But Joseph steadfastly refuses. And again, Joseph could have had this attitude, hey, I'm in a foreign country. I've obviously been abandoned by God. I'm going to do whatever I want to because who, who's going to know who's going to care? But he didn't do that. He stuck to his moral code. He obeyed what he knew was right. And what did he get for it? He got thrown into prison. Okay, when he got sold by his brothers, he technically wasn't doing anything wrong. He was obeying his dad. He had come out to check on his brothers. And what he got for being good in that situation was he got sold into slavery. Now, because he does what's right, because he refuses the advances of Potiphar's wife, what is his reward for that? He gets thrown into prison. So, uh, you know, again, if you're on the outside looking in, you may be thinking it doesn't pay to do the right thing. But, the, but that's not the way it goes. While he is, is in prison, then he, you know, he, he maintains his dignity even while he is in prison. He's morally pure. He holds true to what he knows is right. He refused to become bitter and he refused to blame God. Did you know that Joseph in the Bible has nothing negative said about him? When you read all about Joseph throughout the Bible, there is never a negative comment made about Joseph. That's pretty remarkable. David did, can't say that. Moses can't say that. You know, there's nobody other than Jesus that has nothing negative said about them in the scriptures. He refused to become bitter. He refused to give up on God. Instead, he met his trials with courage, with determination. He kept doing what was right. And finally, there comes a time where God's plan is going to be fulfilled. And, and, and this is important for us to understand. In our lives, 
We don't know the time frame. We don't know what God's got going on. We don't know what God's plan is. Our job is to be faithful and to do what we know is right. Because here it is. Are, are you ready for this? There is more at stake than our personal comfort. And that's hard for us to hear because we're Americans and we are all about personal comfort and personal, uh, you know, getting things for ourselves. And when we are subjecting ourselves to God, then we need to understand that God has a plan. God has a purpose and God is going to work his plan and his purpose. And he is going to use us and we want him to use us. But we have to be patient and abide by what God is trying to accomplish. Because here's the third thing. Things can turn out better than we ever thought or dreamed possible. That's the third thing that we can learn from Joseph. The first thing is when things go bad, it may or may not be our, our fault. The second thing is we are responsible for what we're going to do about it. But the third thing is with God's help, the result can be better than we ever dreamed possible. And you know I've got to use Romans 8.28 here. That, that's just, um, I, I can't decide if I want to sit or stand, sorry. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Now, do we believe that? I, I know we say we do, but do we really believe that? Because... If we really believe it, then when we get into bad situations, what we should be saying is, okay, God, we're in this up to our, eyeball, our eyeballs, and I'm waiting to see how you're going to work this out. Because look at Joseph's predicament. His predicament of being a slave and being thrown in prison turned out to be not just a personal blessing, but ultimately, it became a blessing for the whole nation of Egypt and for his family. Now, the key to Romans 8.28 is not the first part, it's the second part. See, people all the time, all the time are saying, we know that everything will work out together for good. You hear that all the time. But that's not what the verse says. We know that God causes everything to work out together for good. Who, when, where, how? To those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. There's the key right there. Joseph had remained faithful to God and to his moral standards. And because of that, God was able to use him to fulfill his big picture. Our job is to be faithful no matter what. Whether we understand it or not, whether it makes sense or not, whether it's fair or not, whether it's right or not, we are to remain faithful. 
Think about it. Had he never been sold into slavery, he would have never met Potiphar. Had he never met Potiphar, he'd have never been thrown into prison. Had he never been thrown into prison, he would have never met Pharaoh's baker. Had he never met Pharaoh's baker, he would have never been asked to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Had he never interpreted Pharaoh's dream, he would have never been made prime minister of Egypt. As, as prime minister of Egypt, he was in place to not just save the nation of Egypt, he also saved his family from drought and starvation. He moved his family to Egypt where they ultimately became slaves. And 300 years later, God, through Moses, established his covenant with them. All because Joseph got sold into slavery way back down the road. Here's an important thing to remember. Sometimes success as we define it is not God's goal. Sometimes defeat is what God is after. Think about Jesus on the cross. From the world's standpoint, Jesus going to the cross was an absolute failure. He got crucified. But that was actually his victory and our victory. Jesus had to die to pay for our sins. And if he didn't die, then he couldn't have been raised from the dead. So Jesus going to the cross, while outwardly seemed like a failure, was actually God's success. And when things happen in our life that absolutely don't make sense, which seem like an absolute failure, which seem like an absolute disaster, we don't know what God has planned on the backside. And we need to understand that. Remember that a pearl is a grain of sand that's in an oyster. I said a clam in the first service. It starts off as an irritation, and over time, the oyster encases it with that, that lacquer or whatever it is that the pearl is made out of. From something negative comes something that is beautiful and has value. I don't know if any of you have ever read the writings of George MacDonald. He was a, a prolific writer back in the 1800s. But he wrote of a woman who was experiencing deep depression. And he, he says, I, this woman says, I wish I had never been made, she complained. To which her friend quietly replied, my dear, you're not made yet. You're only being made. And this is part of the maker's process. You see, just because things are not going the way we would like them to, doesn't mean that God is not at work. In fact, it means very possibly that God is very much at work. We need, to, we need to have a bigger understanding of who God is and what God wants to accomplish rather than having such a narrow view of, I want my life to be easy and simple and happy, period. That would be nice, but that's not the reality 
You know, the, the story doesn't even end with Joseph becoming the prime minister. You know, he was elevated to the, the level of prime minister. And so he was not only able to save the people of Egypt, but he saves his brothers and their families. And, and he goes on to, to help his father. He's reestablished with his father. This is important. God had a plan to work. And because Joseph remained faithful and obedient and morally straight, God used him to do mighty, wonderful things. When things go wrong, we may not be responsible for what went wrong, or we might. But we are always responsible for the result. And we meet the situation with determination, with courage. And when we do that, when we are faithful to God, the results can turn out to be fantastic. They can be positive. We live in a broken, sin-filled world. Bad is going to happen. We, we understand that. But most importantly, our courage and our determination and our faith in God, it, just the assurance that God is at work and that God cares about us, that, that we matter to God, we have to keep all of that together and, and keep that in the forefront. He's always standing ready to help us. I read this scripture at funerals, but it applies for us today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all, of our, of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You see, life isn't just about being comfortable. Life is about being faithful. And when we're faithful, God can use us to do miraculous things. One of the, the neat things at the end of the story of Joseph, after Jacob dies, Joseph's brothers are all scared to death because now their little brother that they sold into slavery is prime minister of all Egypt. He holds their lives in his hands. And now that Jacob is dead, they're afraid that their brother was waiting for Jacob to die so that he could then exact his vengeance without his father knowing about it. And so they're terrified that their brother is about to, to kill them and, and make their lives just really horrible. But this is Joseph's reply. Do not be afraid. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We need to understand that there is a bigger picture. God is at, at work carrying out his will. Our job is to be faithful and obedient. Joseph sets a wonderful example. He starts off a little bit rough, but through the sanding and the processing 
of being sold into slavery and spending, I believe he was in prison 10 years, he turned into a true man of God in which the Bible has nothing negative to say about him. When things go wrong, despite what is happening around you, despite what has happened to you, it's important to understand God loves you. He cares about you. You matter to him. Trust him and he will see you through and he will see that his will is carried out. And if you can be a part of carrying out God's will, then that is a successful life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life of Joseph, for the, the testimony that we have from him. Thank you for loving us. And yes, we are going to have bad happen in our lives. But when bad happens, we know that there is a God in heaven, the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe. And if we will continue to be faithful and obedient to you, then we know that you will carry us through and that you will have your will carried out. Father, thank you. And I just pray right now for each person that's a part of this service. I pray that you will speak to them with power, with, with influence, Father. Help them to hear from you and to respond to you. Lord, we're all afraid of different things. We all have things in our life that, that we wish weren't there or we wish were different. So, Father, I just I pray for each person that's a part of this service. And I just ask that you help each of us to be faithful and obedient to you, regardless of the consequence. And I pray all of these things in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.